welcome to Sojourner Truth. Thank you for staying with us. This is your host, Margaret Prescott. It is really hard to believe that this is our Labor Day special. A lot of people, when they think of Labor Day, especially students who think it's the end of summer, those who were able to go on vacations and hang out at the beach and in, in parks and now heading back to the classroom or back to their waged work. But Labor Day has a much more serious meaning. And today, it is our Labor Day special. Labor Day became a federal holiday in 1894 in the United States. This is in response to nationwide and decades-long uprisings in defense of workers' rights. The United States Congress passed an act making Labor Day a legal holiday in the District of Columbia and the territories. And then on June 28th, 1894, President Grover Cleveland cited into law, but Labor Day was promoted by the Central Labor Union and the Knights of Labor, we're told, which organized the first parade in New York City. And in 1887, Oregon was the first state in the U.S. to make Labor Day an official holiday. And is our tradition here on Sojourner Truth for our Labor Day specials, we partner with the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. They have uh, incredible, wonderful activities. Uh, our listeners in Southern California will uh, are lucky because they'll be able to attend the 43rd, you heard that, the 43rd annual parade organized by the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. Their theme this year Unions marching forward in 2022. And yes, this year there will be a parade. The past uh, couple of years, because of the COVID uh, pandemic, there was no parade. But nevertheless, the coalition marked Labor Day with a food distribution. Uh, so we're going to be hearing about the parade. One of our guests today is Larry Baragan, who is the chairman of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. Other guests, because we're going to be focusing in on some struggles that are happening right now around organized labor, specifically what's going on with Starbucks. Our guests are Tyler Keeling, who is an employee at the Lakewood Starbucks store and was instrumental in organizing the store, as well as a strike that happened there. We'll learn more about that. Also joining us is Evelyn Cepeda, who is a union representative and organizer from Workers United, who's been working on the Starbucks workers campaign and is the union representative for the Lakewood, California store. So there you have it. We live in a global world. We're all interrelated. So on Sojourner Truth, we work to bring directly to you news and views on local, national, and international policies and stories that affect us all. And we draw out how those of us most impacted women, communities of color, and other communities are responding. We also discuss the interrelationship between art and politics. Now for our news headlines.
I'm Max Pringle with these headlines. A federal judge will hear arguments today on former President Trump's request that an independent special master be appointed to oversee the federal investigation into his handling of classified documents. The FBI seized sensitive documents from Trump's Florida home early last month. Trump's lawyers say the appointment of a special master is necessary to ensure an independent inspection of the documents. The Justice Department says there's no justification for an outside expert because investigators have already completed the review of potentially privileged records. The government says Trump lacks legal grounds to demand the return of presidential documents because they don't belong to him. Alaska Democrat Mary Peltola has won that state's special election for its only U.S. House seat. Peltola, in a surprise win, beat Republican ex-governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. Peltola will become the first Alaska native to serve in the House and the first woman elected to Congress from the state. The election was to decide who would serve out the remainder of Republican Don Young's term. Young died in March. Peltola's victory is a boon for Democrats, particularly coming off better-than-expected performances in special elections around the country this year following the Supreme Court's overturning of Roe v. Wade. A team of U.N. nuclear experts has arrived at Ukraine's Zaporizhia nuclear power plant. The International Atomic Energy Agency inspectors are at the plant to safeguard it from catastrophe as shelling near the area threatens the plant. The team arrived amid fighting between Russian and Ukrainian forces that prompted the shutdown of one reactor. The 14-member team had been trying to get clearance from Russian forces occupying Europe's largest nuclear plant for months. Officials fear a Chernobyl-level nuclear disaster should fighting in the area damage a nuclear reactor. The UN's report on human rights abuses against ethnic minorities in China, particularly its Uyghur Muslim population, has been released after a long delay. The report says abuses committed by the Chinese state in the Xinjiang region could amount to crimes against humanity. The report also called for urgent attention from the international community to address them. Survivors say the significance of the assessment is that the weight and authority of the United Nations lends credibility to their accusations. Human rights groups have reported that up to one million Uyghurs are being held in detention camps in Xinjiang. Thousands of British rail workers are set to go on strike this month over pay, working conditions, and job security. The labor actions are taking place as Britain deals with Europe's worst inflation levels. More from Future Story News' Laura Macon Isherwood. The ASLEF and TSSA unions will see their members walk out on the 15th and 26th of September in the latest bout of industrial action on the railways. Nadine Ray is the organising director at the TSSA and explained why the union's members are going on strike. They just want a fair and decent pay increase and job security in the face of this cost of living crisis, which everyone is going through. And uh, they're wanting this on the back of, of three or four years of pay freeze. So we all know the cost of energy bills, fuel and food is skyrocketing, but wages are, are stuck. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Laura Makin Isherwood. September is National Hunger Awareness Month, and as Eric Tegadoff reports, activists are using the occasion to raise awareness about food insecurity in the country. Susanna Morgan, head of Oregon Food Bank, says hunger was a problem in the state before the pandemic. But in the midst of COVID-19's grip, one in five Oregonians faced food insecurity. 
Although numbers have gone down, she notes that more than a million residents in the state sought emergency food assistance from the Oregon Food Bank Network in 2021. Morgan says a number of factors are contributing to food insecurity right now. Driven by structural problems in wages, access to affordable housing, access to affordable health care, access to education, and exacerbated by inflation and high costs of fuel, food, and other necessities. Morgan says federal assistance to address hunger during the pandemic is slowly decreasing, but adds that the state hasn't reached a cliff that would drive even larger numbers of families into a precarious position. On Wednesday, Morgan held her State of Hunger address to kick off the month. I'm Eric Tegedov. And I'm Max Pringle. You're listening to Sojourner Truth on Pacifica Radio. Those were our news headlines, and we're going to get right into our Labor Day special. We are going to be focusing on what's going on, not only in California, but there are also examples nationally of Starbucks workers who are trying to organize. We also see Amazon workers trying to organize. Now, today, we're going to focus on Starbucks. Starbucks workers across the country have been organizing. In December 2021, a Starbucks store in Buffalo, New York, became the first to unionize at one of the coffee retailers' company-owned U.S. stores. At least 150 of Starbucks' 9,000, yep, you heard that, 9,000 company-run stores across the nation have voted to unionize since then. And several are in the process of voting, this according to the National Labor Relations Board. Now, um, some not-so-great news, I suppose, for uh, organized labor supporters, at least 10 of the stores rejected having a union. But workers from two Santa Cruz, California locations were the first in Northern California um, to unionize, and that was in May of 2022. Now, just recently, uh, just this past month, two more unionized Starbucks California locations have seen employees walk out on strike citing other things, unfair labor practices at the Seattle-based corporate um, location. Workers at the Lakewood, California location walked off the job in a one-day unfair labor practice strike. They closed the store down. Okay, now, on the other hand, the Guardian newspaper reporting on Thursday, August 25th, that more than 85 workers, they say, at Starbucks who were doing union organizing were fired. Okay, so we have to keep an eye on that. And that's according to a group called Starbucks Workers United. And uh, um, workers have filed a number of unfair labor practice charges over the, the firings. Also, The Guardian is reporting that a federal judge ordered the reinstatement of seven workers in Memphis, Tennessee. They were fired uh, back in February of 2022. Now, Starbucks, they say they're going to appeal this decision. And the National Labor Relations Board, though, they have issued over 20 official complaints against Starbucks. And that involves 81 charges, 548 allegations of labor law uh, violations, and all of this 
is under review right now. So we'll be digging deep into all of this, but let me go ahead now and welcome our guests. Larry Badagan, we are very grateful to you for working with us and with the Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. As its chairman, you have partnered with Sojourner Truth for a number of years now for our Labor Day special. Larry was formerly a member of United Steel Workers Union Local 675 for over three decades. Larry Badagan, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Margaret, for once again inviting myself and our guests to uh, join you today for our special Labor Day event, as we have in the past years, and we thank you so much for your support. Sure, sure. I'm big, a big fan of organized labor. We are here on Sojourner Truth. And also to remind our listeners that KPFK, Sojourner Truth, our show, we're nationally syndicated, but our show comes out of Los Angeles. So we are a union shop. So a number of us are union members. I'd also like to welcome Tyler Keeling, who is an employee at the Lakewood, California Starbucks store and was instrumental in organizing at the store as well as the strike. Tyler, welcome. Thank you so much, Margaret. It's wonderful to be here. So yeah, I'm, I've been at the store for about three years now and I've been with the company for about six and it's okay. been such an incredible experience getting to, to organize. It's uh, And I'm so excited to talk about it with you. Right. Looking forward to hearing your story. We'd also like to welcome Evelyn Cepeda, who is a union representative and organizer from Workers United, who's been working on the Starbucks Workers Campaign and is the union representative for the Lakewood, California Starbucks store. Evelyn, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. This movement can be an example for other movements throughout the country and the revitalization of the labor movement as a whole. Tyler and I are, are very, very also privileged to be able to play a role in the campaign at the state and national level. So we, we know we know how this is growing and how workers are working together to, to bring truth to power, but also accountability to power. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for that, Evelyn. Tyler, let's start with you. You're a Starbucks worker. A number of our listeners go in, they get their cup of coffee, they have to get their cup of coffee, they have to get the latte, the chai, whatever it is they order there. But what a lot of Starbucks customers don't know, they may not know about the working conditions of the workers there. Tell us a bit about that. Like, you know, what 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 a work day looks like and, you know, why you think there is the need for a union. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's a lot to be said about kind of like the social ideas we have around food service jobs, despite how labor intensive they are. There's kind of like this like general idea that a lot of people have that, you know, these are entry level jobs when that's just fundamentally not true. And I like to kind of like point to the pandemic as like a really good example of that with Starbucks being one of the few places that stayed open during the pandemic. We were a backbone of normalcy for a lot of people in a lot of ways. But I don't think people realize that on the inside, what was happening is that we were working with as few people as possible to keep the store running, but also carrying this massive labor load. And people don't realize how extremely physically demanding it is, but also what kind of standards we're held to. We're held to such extremely high standards with no real recourse for any sort of problems we're having in the store, whether it's with management, whether it's with working conditions that we're having, 
or even the access to benefits at the company. This company holds benefits as such an integral piece of like why it's a good job, but then makes those benefits inaccessible to a lot of people. And it all kind of just like wraps up with this nice little bow of being extremely exhausted nonstop from how intense the labor is with no options to create like a better workplace, especially for the people who love this job. Right. And, you know, Starbucks, you know, they have a reputation in the United States, but also elsewhere. A lot of people as this kind of very liberal place. It's, you know, very cool place to hang out. You have baristas, that's the word, right? Working there and, you know, everybody's taken care of and it's, it just gives this image of a liberal kind of happy place, not only for customers, but also for the workers. But that's not necessarily the case to make it possible for people to have their cup of coffee, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. A lot of what we do in a day, I've had actually compared to somebody, somebody compared it to an assembly line to me the other day, where they were talking about how we follow very strict organized routines for multiple hours in a row in order to like make, you know, the same thing of varying recipes to get to our customers and how it almost functions just like an extremely intensive assembly line. Um, but with that, like that physical labor also comes kind of like the the demand that we are also emotionally present for our customers. And, you know, as much as we love our customers, there's also this really strong focus on, you know, getting to know every single person that walks through your doors on a very intimate level, which is thousands of people a day. Uh, we're also expected to, in a lot of ways, function as kind of like a social catch-all and almost like to a degree, even like therapists for our communities. And so like, you know, single day, you'll see anything from a really easy customer to deal with where you're having a good interaction to also putting up with having to deal with someone who's basically on an emotional rampage towards you. And we've had to deal with in the workplace, homophobia, transphobia, sexism, racism, with little to no follow up from upper management to make sure that we were okay, or we were protected. And that comes from, you know, both customers, but also from inside the house, right? I've personally experienced homophobia in the workplace, and not had it addressed in any real way, and still also been expected to show up to my job at 100%, perform at 100%, and meet these really tight goals of, you know, getting customers in and out in less than a minute. It's a very, very intense job that people don't really see until they're on the floor. We've even had people come in and to like the job, finish their training and then come on the floor and just kind of be mind blown and be like, wow, this job is nothing like I expected. It's way more intense than I expected, which is, you know, a stark difference compared to the image that's portrayed of just like the always happy barista. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And then Evelyn, going to you, you're a union representative, you're an organizer with Workers United, you know all of what's at stake, you know that Starbucks has been unfriendly, and that's, <laughs> to put it mildly, to union organizing. So tell us, as a union organizer, what have been some of the challenges? Thank you, Margaret. So we have um, worked very closely in the union with the movement that gave birth to the Starbucks Workers United movement. Just to update your numbers, we're up to 230 some stores that are organized, which cover over 6,000 workers that are represented. You highlighted the fact that Starbucks is a progressive facing organization, right? Or they claim to live those values. What the union has found here is they are no better than the run of the mill anti-union employer. And if anything, to some extent, they've used 
the progressive aspect of it to downplay some of their activities. So we found, and so has the National Labor Relations Board withheld um, benefits and wage increases that were promised across the board to the stores and has withheld them to unionize or unionizing partners. I was on a call this morning, our national call, where a store actually lost their election and they were given the benefits and then the benefits were taken away again because they tried to organize. And the recent board complaint found that to be retaliatory. We also find that the company uses familial, I've seen that they use familial relationships to discourage workers from organizing. But some of the stuff that they've, they've also engaged with is really, in my opinion, psychological, you know, psychological warfare. From having six, five to six um, management entities or persons, having one-on-ones, having meetings with individual workers, most re- and, 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 and something that's more a little palpable here is we have a leader in the California, amongst the California organizers who, um, after their store won the election, was scheduled consistently under 20 hours, slightly under 20 hours, which is the threshold for being able to qualify for health care. And so this particular partner relies on their Starbucks healthcare for trans healthcare, right? So there's an example there of it's seen on individual level and then rampant retaliation in order to discourage organizing. What I think is exciting is that workers are still organizing and workers are winning. Absolutely. And the Starbucks have the nerve to claim that the National Labor Relations Board leaned towards favored uh, the union. Now, um, Larry, looking back at the history of the NLRB, we know sometimes it depends who the administration is, et cetera, but it's not exactly a radical organization, <laughs> So that seems pretty outrageous. But Larry, I'd like to bring you in this discussion here. I mean, you have been doing this work for over three decades. And now you are listening to these young people. You're listening to Tyler. You're listening to Evelyn. Give us your thoughts in terms of how the union movement as it's picking up now, knowing that the union movement had been in some trouble and losing members over the years. So just give us your reaction to what you see happening now today with these union movements that are springing up at, at Starbucks, but also we see it at, at Amazon. I was just reading about um, in California, AB 50, uh, AB 257 that was passed in both the Senate and the assembly, and it is said to um, aim for fast food uh, workers to benefit fast food workers, right? And of course, it's been strongly opposed by the, the owners in the fast food industry and, and the Department of Commerce. But just, Larry, just give us your, your reaction to where you think things are right now with organized labor. Larry Baragat. Um, I see organized organized labor moving forward very aggressively. Uh, a lot of it have to do with the COVID crisis that we experienced the last couple of years in which a lot of us were tagged essential workers. Now, I've been in this industrial union for over 30 years and have been at the bargaining table most of that time. And I've never heard the word or the term essential worker until COVID 
before we were replaceable. Now, during the COVID crisis, they needed us. And since the COVID crisis has gone down, I see the retail sector, I see the service industry spiking up with the organized movement because it's a younger generation. And there's an old saying we were going through for years, this is not your dad's union anymore. This is not your grandfather's union anymore that the right wing was always trying to promote. Now we have a younger generation and they're feeling it. They're feeling it. They're seeing it. They're experiencing it like a young gentleman like Tyler. I met these young people a couple of weeks ago at the Lakewood strike. I was there at 530 in the morning and they were marching strong. I was so proud of these young people. They were there. They shut the store down. 100% of them were out there on the pavement picketing. They knew they have nothing to lose but everything to gain. The movement is moving forward. We got a good administration in the White House and the Labor Department. Right now, we're holding it down. Things might change in the midterm elections. Hopefully not. But I see it because people are tired. They're tired. Uh, Tyler just explained everything in detail that in his store, a lot of people feel that in the other industries outside of the service sector. And um, people are tired, fed up. And we lost a lot of people during the COVID crisis because a lot of people were forced to go to work. They had no choice. They needed the benefits. They needed the paycheck. And now the movement's marching forward. And that's the theme of our this year's event. Moving, you know, unions mark moving forward in 2022 because we're moving forward and we're not looking back. Thanks to these Starbucks workers. We're really proud of them. And we'll do anything to support them to make sure that people know the situations that take place in those stores. And when you drive up, you order your latte, you see that smiley face. But what's really going on on the floor there, it's it's real detrimental to the, the so-called essential worker. Absolutely. Larry, you're, you're just giving me uh, chills there talking about these movements, people up against so much. We're just going to take a very short station break. around uh, by the roots. This is Margaret Prescott, host of Sojourner Truth. If you've missed any part of this Labor Day special from 10 this morning for 90 days after that, just go to kpfk.org, scroll down to archives, click on Sojourner Truth. You'll be able to hear the show in its entirety and you can subscribe for a free podcast. And if you're a member of Facebook, you can like and friend us on Facebook and our handle on Instagram and Twitter at So True Radio. We're also nationwide and worldwide on SoundCloud. Just look for Sojourner Truth there. And today we'd like to give a shout out to Sojourner Truth listeners, to our SoundCloud listeners, all Starbucks employees. We want to give you a shout out across the United States. And internationally, we would like to give a shout out to our SoundCloud listeners in South Africa. As I said, this is our Labor Day special and uh, the uh, partner with our for our annual Labor Day specials with the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor 
uh, Labor uh, Coalition. We also want to thank John Gibson, who all, always makes sure um, that we um, make the connection. And this year is going to be the 43rd annual Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition, their Labor Day Parade, unions marching forward in 2022. Our guests are Larry Baragan, who is the chair of the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition, formerly a member of the Steel Workers Union Local 675 for over three decades. We're also talking with Tyla Keeling, one of the organizers, one of the courageous organizers there at the Lakewood Starbucks store, who was instrumental in organizing for the union at that store, and also the strike. We want to hear a bit more about that strike, and also joining us, Evelyn Cepeda, who is a union representative and organizer from Workers United, who's been working on the Starbucks workers campaign and is the union representative for the Lakewood store. So actually, Larry, we're going to go back to you for a moment because we're going to put all of this in context. I want to make sure that our listeners also know what is going to be happening this Labor Day. Now, this show is on, obviously, before Labor Day in the lead up to the Labor Day weekend. People see it as a holiday weekend, you know, a time to hang out. Right. So, Larry, tell us what's going to be happening Labor Day. Well, Margaret, we're going to have our 43rd annual Labor Day Parade and Solidarity Picnic that's going to take place in Wilmington, California on Labor Day. We uh, start with the uh, morning parade that starts at 10 a.m. and then march in solidarity down Avalon Boulevard in Wilmington, one mile north to Banning Park, which is in Wilmington also. And there we conclude with a large picnic and rally where we have various unions and thousands of union members attend and the community at large. We invite all workers, union or non-union, to attend. We have a free picnic, barbecue, serve hot dogs. We have live entertainment. We have 40 informational vendor booths from various unions and labor organizations giving out free information. Some of the building trades that will be in, in attendance will give information on their apprenticeship programs. For, for people who want to seek a, a career in the building trades. Most of all, uh, we'll be there in solidarity after a two year hiatus without being, a, you know, having our parade. But we, in, you know, the past two years, we, prior to that, we, we had a food distribution. We fed those families in need during the COVID crisis. But now we're back together in solidarity. We're going to march forward. And we dedicate this event to our fallen sisters and brothers who unfortunately lost their lives due to COVID. And um, we're gonna march for them. And that's important that we're all getting together for those we lost and we're gonna march in solidarity on behalf of those sisters and brothers. Right, and there there are a number of uh, organized uh, labor groups that are participating or supporting this in some I remember sometime years ago, you had the firefighters that were actually doing the barbecue or cooking the hot dogs or something like that, which was interesting that the firefighters were doing that. But tell us, do you have a coalition now? Are there, you know, just tell us about some of the organized labor, some of the workers who are helping to organize this and who will be participating in this Labor Day parade. Larry Baragan. 
Okay, so uh, we have over 50 unions participating in labor organizations. Wow. Uh, Yes, and every year the Los Angeles City Fire Department Local 112 Union is going to donate their time and efforts and their large barbecue that's designed to look like a fire truck to, (laughs) believe it or not, (laughs) to uh, cook. We're going to cook over 3,000 hot dogs, serve them free. Um, I have various unions from the Longshore and for the first time ever, Starbuck workers will join us. And we're really proud of that. And we're, we're really looking forward to hosting them and having them march in solidarity with us. We have various trade unions from the Los Angeles, Orange County building trades. And we have the carpenters unions. We have the iron workers, United Steel workers, which I'm still a member of. I'm still there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and of course, um, Teamsters. I have dozens of unions that are participating this year, part of the coalition that have supported as far as Northern California to San Diego. We have them being bussed in. People are going to come by the thousands. It's going to be a really good day for labor, a really good day to celebrate the workers, and most of all, to memorialize our fallen sisters and brothers due to the COVID crisis. Yeah. And Larry, this is the 43rd. And we know that there are some other parades, et cetera, that will be going on. But for a long time, this particular parade organized by the Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition was the largest Labor Day parade in the West, I think West of the Mississippi or something like that. I don't know if it still holds that distinction, but we can't certainly forget that history. History. And I think it was likely your example that pushed for others to, you know, remember the true meaning of Labor Day while you're still having fun. You know, the whole family can come out and there'll be music, food, etc. Larry, before we wrap up the show, we'll tell people, our listeners in Southern California, where they can gather for that parade. But our listeners in other parts of the country, I encourage you to check with your local station, perhaps that you're you're hearing this show from, or, you know, just your labor union that you are in touch with or that you know of uh, to find out uh, what activities are being organized in your city and your rural areas, uh, remembering and honoring workers on this Labor Day. What I'd like to do is to also go back to you, Tyler, because Starbucks you know, workers will be marching, uh, I think, for the first time. I imagine this is likely going to be a big deal. I mean, you're talking about 50 unions and labor organizations. The firefighters are going to be out there, you know, cooking for folks. Tell us about the kind of support and solidarity, Tyler, that you feel as a, a Starbucks worker you have gotten from others in organized labor. Six months ago, I didn't know anybody in labor. Six months ago, I had my first conversation with, you know, our lead external organizer, Fernando, and I didn't know anybody in the world of labor or the labor movement. And in those six months, I've met quite literally hundreds of new like names and faces who've all shown me so much support and shown this movement so much support. We've seen, you know, like like Larry said, he was there at our strike 530 in the morning. He came back later on that day and brought food and water for us to make sure that we were, you know, being taken care of during our strike. I've worked with the California Labor Federation. I've worked with the Los Angeles Labor Federation, Teamsters, IBEW, CWA, SAG-AFTRA, 
the list goes on and on with all of these incredible unions and people like workers who belong to unions who have, whether it's like shown up to strikes or shown up to support rallies or donated money to help workers during strikes, like everybody has shown up and asked like how they can support us. And it was so overwhelming for a little bit because I just didn't even have an answer about like how, how we could accept support because I, I had no, you know, prior knowledge on what any of this looked like. And now like, you know, I'm getting a grip on it and I'm, I'm learning the rounds and I'm able to work with incredible people like Larry to like continuously help build the movement on like a state level, a local level, but also like going even bigger than that, like on a national level, you know, connected with partners across the country who are organizing their stores and we're building this movement together with the support of people like Larry or people like the LA Labor Fed who have done so much for us to ensure that we can be successful. Right. That is just uh, amazing there. So really, really exciting. And and Evelyn, um, we have good news here. Um, the theme of the 43rd annual uh, Labor Day Parade, unions marching forward in 2022. But we know very well the challenges um, that you as a union organizer, those who are the organizers on the ground like Tyler are, are facing, the threats um, against them. You describe some of the retaliation that has happened. So for People out there, young folks who may be working at, at Starbucks or in a, a, a fast food, a, you know, operation and, uh, you know, who may feel a bit fearful or, or feel a bit intimidated about whether they should uh, involve themselves in supporting a union or union activity. What do you say to them? Well, we talked about what the revitalization of the labor movement would require. I think people or even experts would say, you can't hire enough organizers. And what the Starbucks Workers United movement has taught us is, no, you, it, it has to be a movement, right? So all these, when you look across the country right now, this is a person to person movement. It's a worker to worker movement. Um, when, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna spill the, the tea on, on every, on all, all of our processes, but this is worker to worker organizing, right? So when people organize, you have a team of other stores um, led by Tyler most of the time who support the workers that are planning to organize and walk them through the process, walk them through the inoculation of what they can expect the company to do, um, how to take action to push back on the company's anti-union campaign, um, what an unfair labor practice is, what their rights are as soon as they go public and then before they go public. So there's um so for folks that are thinking about organizing, the time is now. If not us, then who, right? And yeah. And also it's a people-to-people -people movement. And and I and what I think is fascinating about the Starbucks movement is that it's not just a social movement, but it's it's also a formalized movement, right? Formally, concretely winning elections formally, concretely recruiting new stores and teaching them along the way about how to push back and find your own voice, and then calling those workers that organize to organize other stores as well. Um, and so what it'll take to win is all of us, right? So there's ways to get in touch with, with, um, with the union online. You could Google us. But also 
in the coming months, winning the objective of a contract at Starbucks will require all of us, the consumers and the workers. And so um, we're going to be calling more uh, specifically for people to take the no contract, no coffee pledge. You can Google that too, where um, union leaders or customers, like I met Tyler's regulars the other day at the, at the picket line, who said, what can I do? And basically to stand ready to take action, to push the company to do the right thing, but to support the very brave thing Tyler and his co-workers and Starbucks workers across the country are doing to make this world more equitable. Yeah. And, you know, just Evelyn, again, the Guardian is reporting that there've been over 80 strikes by uh, Starbucks workers all over labor practices that are not fair. They've also been firing of of union uh, leaders. You gave an example of someone whose health benefits were under threat because of his or her her support uh, for the union. So what are some of the things that the union is doing to assist those workers who have been penalized? Uh, one way or the other, or who may even be suffering financially um, as a result of their efforts. And is there anything, any appeals? I know in some parts of the country that there's some GoFundMe, et cetera, any things that our listeners can do to uh, support uh, these workers that are standing up not only for their own worker, their own rights, but are really helping to build and strengthen the labor movement as a whole. Evelyn. Um, Thank you for that question as well. I think one of the things that we learned also is that um, it it is going to require all of us and it's probably going to require all of our pocketbooks to build. Um, One is, what is the union doing? Um, We have a network, uh, like those UOPs get get filed immediately. Um, There's, you know, there's a whole legal network of lawyers um, that are that the that there are members and um, partner leaders work with on a daily basis. There is a national strike fund that was started by the by Workers United, but that is has received more um, donations from large unions. Um, the we depleted some of that money um, in the last eighty strikes, but there was another donation that came in recently that brought it up to par. So we're thankful for the movement on that. There's also a peer, um, there's going to be a peer-run solidarity fund that is going to be run by um, by by Starbucks leaders. There are, and, and so these two things that I'm talking about are on a national level, but there's also the organic organizing that happens on a regional and local level where people start their own um, strike funds or or um, GoFundMe's for local um local supplement for the actions that they're taking. There's a local way to engage. And then nationally, there's a national strike fund and the national solidarity fund. www.sbworkersunited.org. And Tyler, do you want to weigh in here in terms of ways that people could help? Because there's a strike fund and a, a solidarity fund as well. But are there in, in addition to basically just donating money and helping workers, any other ways you think 
our listeners can help. And also, I didn't get a, a chance title. You didn't get to say about that one day strike. That certainly must have been exciting because you all shut that place down, didn't you? You shut that Starbucks down in, in Lakewood. <laughs> Tell us about what, what, sure what that was like for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll tackle this answer in two parts. That way we can hit both sides of what was asked. Okay. But so in addition to like the donations, a really, really important thing that Evelyn mentioned that I want to put like a strong emphasis on is that no contract, no coffee pledge. That establishes like a direct line of communication from us, the workers, to our community and helps us bring any sort of call to action that we need. It helps so much because it also shows Starbucks like, look, the community is invested in the workers succeeding in us fighting for our contract. And that that solidarity, it does so much, not only for the morale of us as like the workers fighting for this contract, but it shows that there is a community there. We aren't isolated by any means whatsoever. We're not isolated from the labor movement. We're not isolated from each other. We're not isolated from just our community and our customers. So that goes really far. And then just spreading the word of mouth, talking about it with other people, getting people who didn't know it was happening before in the know that there is this movement and this movement isn't going anywhere, that it has so much life in it and that we are out here doing this thing. Just talking about it everywhere you can. Social media does so much for spreading information. And that's just like a fantastic avenue to kind of like get more people educated and invested in the, the new labor movement, like the revitalized labor movement. And then talking about the strike, what a day that was. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. To give you a little background on the strike. So we went on strike because of an unfair labor practice charged against Starbucks for withholding benefits. And a big thing that kind of like kicked us up to go on strike was that Starbucks started changing their language around these benefits. At first, they just straight up told people like, oh, if you unionize, you're ineligible for them. And then we basically tried to hold them accountable and force them to apply those benefits by giving them consent to apply those benefits without bargaining. And then suddenly they changed the language and they're like, well, no, we know you guys are eligible, but you have to bargain if you want them. And they kept changing their story. And everyone in my store just kind of like, it was like a, like a 35 person eye roll in synchronization. We, in the course of three days, planned a strike in our store. We planned it with a unanimous vote, with every single person being on board in support of it and understanding like what it would entail. Normally, from what I understand, when you plan a strike, you want a little bit more planning in that, but we didn't have that time and we made it happen and we were out there. And Larry can attest to this. We had people there first thing in the morning, not just like news or community members, but workers. And we had people there the entire day from 4 a.m. until 9 p.m. And I was there for that whole thing. And wow. I I never could have anticipated the the level of support from the different avenues of support that we got. Like Larry mentioned, I had I had not met him before that. And he showed up and he showed up to support us. And Larry wasn't the only one. We had different organizations. We had workers from non-union Starbucks come and hang out with us for a little bit and bring us pizza and soda and water. We had people from like customers are from our community bring a sunblock and water. We had somebody bring a bunch of donuts. Like everyone showed up from so many different avenues, labor related or non-labor related, that just came out there and were with us. And we had like this huge rally at noon. And it was such like a like I, I don't know how to describe it other than euphoric. We had, you know, something like 65 people standing in unison chanting together. And it was such a, a beautiful thing. And just having kind of like 
the ability to boost what was going on in our store in the public eye, but also just have all of us there together. That's the first time that I've been with this company that I've been able to spend this extremely intimate amount of time with the people that I work with. Because most of the time I see them, it's on the clock. I spend so much of my time at my job on the clock. But we were all just there with each other and like all there under United Cause in solidarity with each other. It was it was transcendental in a lot of ways. It was so healing too, because you know, it, it's very easy, especially, you know, fighting for your first contract when you've never done anything like this before, to feel isolated or defeated sometimes. Like the weight the weight of the world really does land on your shoulders in a lot of ways. But moments like that like clear any doubts anybody ever has about this movement. Because when you have 35 people say yes to strike in less than three days, and you have everybody show up and make the time to be there and like emotionally prepare themselves to be there for as long as they have to be, it's a level, it's a level of community that I don't think a lot of people could ever even like begin to imagine. So encouraging. And you hear a lot, you go out and people are saying, ain't no power like the power of the people, like power of the people don't stop, you know, that kind of thing. And Larry, you've been through, I don't even know how many labor struggles. And you know that the enthusiasm and the courage of workers like Tyler Keeling here is something that is so, you know, in a way, it's kind of like the lifeblood, isn't it? of organizing and and not giving up. And Larry, I wanted you to talk a, a bit about not giving up. I mean, you think of the Longshore Workers Union that have had this incredible, incredible history of standing up. The key thing is to get on up and to keep going because, you know, there are things you could win, but there are also things that you could lose. And if you don't fight, you can't win, Larry. I agree with you. First of all, I want to want to send uh, respect and love to Tyler and the group there at Liquid Store. Just listening to Tyler in regards to what he felt that day and what he's been feeling since he's organized. Brother, that's called solidarity and welcome to the labor movement. Now you know. It's the feeling you'll never forget the rest of your life that you as a worker stand united with others who are in the same boat as you or some workers who don't know what you go through but feel for you. So it's called Solidarity, brother, and welcome to the labor movement. I'm so proud of you guys. I'm so proud of you, Tyler, for standing up. I've been through a lot of struggles, and I've seen it a lot from the waterfront in the port of Los Angeles and all through the Southland in, in California. We have various issues going on and continue to do so. Um, but um, on Labor Day, we are looking forward to the Starbucks workers. They're going to be our rock stars for the day. Tyler's going to be on stage addressing the thousands of people on their uh, situation. Uh, looking forward to that. If you don't fight for it, they're going to take it. And you know how that goes. They they will take it. So you've got to stand your ground. You've got to get up. You've got to move forward. Don't look back. Look forward. And always, always speak up for yourself. You have the right in the workplace. This is the United States. This is not third world country. They're trying to make it a third world workshop. But no, we are the leader of the world when it comes to organized labor, the right to speak up and the right to fight for yourself. So that's what that's my message to all the young people who want to join the movement. Evelyn, too, I do want to underscore here that the labor movement is something that is worldwide. And, uh, you know, sometimes we're, we're looking at 
a particular labor struggle or we're looking only at what is happening in the United States, I, I look at the garment workers in Myanmar um, who are facing a brutal dictatorship. They're, you know, they're being killed. Their families are being uh, rounded up. And the indigenous Karen uh, people have had to flee into the forest. And yet, they, the garment workers have been at the forefront of resisting that dictatorship, and they've also launched a whole campaign uh, to the fashion industry uh, to say, you know, the military is not in fashion, and that, you know, Zara and some of these H&M, some of these fast fashion uh, houses need to pay attention to that. So I think that there's a lot that uh, workers in the United States can learn from those kind of labor struggles in other uh, parts of the country. Haiti is another example where you have a lot of, um, you know, very, very uh, low wages, Honduras, et cetera. So Evelyn, you know the story, but um, just quickly though, um, when it comes to uh, organized labor and Larry early, earlier talked about um, during COVID, people talked about essential workers. Now, those of us, I'm a mom, right? Those of us who are caregivers, um, we know about essential work because we produce all the workers in the world, actually, <laughs> and then take care of the you know, folks at the end of the day. And for uh, primarily women, it's not only women, but it's overwhelmingly women, whether they're working at Starbucks or, or somewhere else, you leave that job and then you go to have to take care of your children or take care of grandma or your, your auntie or do some volunteer work in, in, in the community. So when it comes to organizing and attending meetings and um, going out on strike, et cetera, I'm, I'm wondering about some of the particular, the specific uh, stresses on women who are um, uh, caregivers uh, or anybody who is a primary caregiver has a, a family and children uh, to take care of. Um, I'm wondering if you could um, just address that uh, a bit, the just the specific situation of women. Thank you, Margaret. Actually, it, you, you you took me way back because um, I started um, in the labor movement organizing um, garment workers, which is actually the history of Workers United, right? Um, so, um, so the Starbucks movement is is whole, it found a home in the historical um, aspects of of a movement that was um, immigrant led in. And, and I'm going to make a connection to your Haiti connection. Um, I was supporting workers organizing at Levi's factories on the border of Haiti um, in town, Tonkawanamit, where there was no electricity um, that wasn't bought in by the companies. And workers um, there went on a massive strike. Workers with no running water, no electricity. I know I'm, I'm short on time, so I'll try to be real quick. Um, and they believe that Levi's should have a social contract with them. Not just what the company, what it did for workers, but what it did inside the factory, but to the community. And I feel like the Starbucks movement, which is, you know, you know, from our from our um, surveys, we know that over seventy percent of the workers that are organizing right now in Starbucks Workers United identify as women or female. Um, that it is very much a women-led movement. Some some of our bright, some of our more most committed working. Um, um, worker organizers, our mothers are also caretakers. I think what I've learned through the movement is that we shouldn't assume that people are not willing to put it on the line and that they're not willing to sacrifice because they've been doing that their whole lives. 
um, in terms of a com- in terms of struggling, but also fighting for what is theirs. And and so this it is a lot of it. It does require for women to be involved in the movement. Does require um, a more negotiation of time and effort. But I think that that though that's where our communities are built on, and that's where change has been built on on the backs of women and on 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 the rallying cries of women and and so you know when we talk about fast food or low weight what they call low wage workers there's a concentration of immigrants there's a concentration of second generation workers there um people that play several hats because most of these jobs are not full-time full-time jobs so people people a lot of these starbucks workers might be parents caretakers students um you know people that are on, on financial aid um and also have full-time jobs or a second job. So I, I'm not surprised, but I am inspired. Um, and yes. so, and, and I, and I, and we do see a lot of that and in, in, in the works of this worker led movement. Sorry. Right. Yeah, no, that's quite all right. And of course, yeah, the LGBTQ um, plus community as well. Well, this has just been fascinating. I, I want to thank all of you. I really wish we had a bit more time. Um, Larry, you'll have the last word. We just have about a minute or so uh, before we have to wrap. For our listeners in Southern California, where should they go on Labor Day? What time and where? 10 a.m. Labor Day. The lineup for the parade starts 10 a.m., 501 Broad Avenue, Wilmington, 90744. If you don't want to do the parade, please go to Banning Park in Wilmington, 1331 Eubank Avenue in Wilmington, 90744. We'll be there from uh, the morning until 4 p.m. More information, www. LALBLaborCoalition.com. And we're also on Facebook, Los Angeles Long Beach Harbor Labor Coalition. We're going to post this information on Labor Day, but also Tyler and Evelyn on the campaign that you're doing. I want to thank each of you, Larry Baragan, Tyler Keeling, Evelyn Cepeda, today's show produced by me. We're out of time, so we got to go by me, Margaret Prescott. And I'd like to thank our assistant producer, Alicia Vargas, our engineer uh, for the day, Sojourner Truth. We'll be back on the air tomorrow. I'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening. The song that we're going to go out with is Which Side Are You On? by Rebel Diaz. If you'd like a copy of today's show, please contact the Pacifica Radio Archives. Thank you for listening. Stay tuned for Democracy Now! This is your host, Margaret Prescott. I'm with every single kid that's down for hip-hop.